the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. All right, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. It is seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get started on this Thursday, the very first morning of Division Month, the month of February, year of our Lord, 2024. Black History Month brought to you proudly by Critical Race Theory, in which black people will continue to feel oppressed, and they will make sure white people feel like shameful oppressors. That is exactly what the goal is. Uh, We'll do our best to try to... I don't know, um, disrupt that a little bit and point out that we have equality in the United States of America. We might not have equity, but we have equality. Every person who is lighter of skin, darker of skin, different shade of skin, different uh, appearance in any way, ethnicity, race, or we all have the same opportunities. We all are supposed to be seen as equal, not as a member of a class. Unity should be our goal. Black friends, white friends, Latino friends, Asian friends, European friends, Canadian friends. I don't know. Pick them all. We should be arm in arm, all together, not divided. Black History Month will continue that division. Does that mean we ignore black history? Of course not. But should black history be the focus? And should it be used to divide? And the answer to those questions is no. So Division Month is upon us, and uh, we will treat it appropriately. We are going to talk to some very important people today. Coming up in a half an hour, Attorney General Dave Yost will join us. A.G. Yost is going to talk to us about the lawsuit that the ACLU has filed against the state of Ohio. What's that all about? You know what it's all about. The SAFE Act. They don't like the idea that kids are going to be protected from abuse and abusive decisions being made by adults in their lives. The state of Ohio wisely asked their representatives to protect kids from uh, 
puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and gender mutilation or bodily mutilation surgeries uh, because kids don't know any, any better. They cannot give informed consent when they're young to do such irreversible things. And our red representation said, we'll do it. We'll do what we were asked. And that's exactly what they did, overwhelmingly, even overwhelming the veto stamped on it by Governor Mike DeWine. So now the ACLU is really upset about that. They want kids to be able to be abused, and so they are suing the state of Ohio for the right for people to continue to do that. So we'll talk to the Attorney General about how Ohio will defend itself in that case. He's also going to talk to us about the new potential death penalty method here in the state of Ohio. After um, Alabama became the first state to use uh, a different type of uh, uh, gas, uh, in order to facilitate what would be considered to be a more pain-free method of execution. And I don't want to get into the vagaries of all of that, because quite frankly, I don't know why they're so concerned about the pain level of somebody who has caused so much pain in their own right when they killed the individuals that they did. But nonetheless, uh, there is a new battle over how to execute people in the state of Ohio. We haven't had one executed in the state of Ohio, I think, since 2018. Uh, Seth's even confirm that. I, I want to say 2018, so we're talking six years now. Anyway, uh, Dave Yost is supportive of the uh, new method that is being proposed. We'll talk to him about that, and then also we're going to talk about the latest voting rights overhaul proposal, the one to add you know, the limitless drop boxes and limitless early voting and registration upon uh, automatic voter registration upon getting an ID at the um, uh, uh, BMV. But not requiring IDs when you go to vote. All of the crap that the left likes to use to try to steal elections. Uh, Governor, or I mean, uh, Attorney Joe, it, it was 2018. I was right. Thank you, sir. Uh, but A.G. Yost, uh has rejected that uh, ballot proposal language as being uh, completely um, what's inconsistent. Is maybe a fair way to say that, I suppose. In other, in other words, it's not fully accurate. It's misleading. So we'll talk about that with him. At 1010, Dr. Everett Piper will be with us. His Ask Dr. E column this week in the Washington Times is one of my favorite ones that I've ever seen him answer. It's going to be a very great conversation. Also, what does anti-Semitism have to do with anti-Westernism? The reality is they are almost identical. They they go hand in hand. And we're going to talk to Dr. Piper about why he wrote about that, too. And at 1035, we're going to talk with County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley. I cannot underscore for you strongly enough the importance of making sure that Michael O'Malley is reelected as Cuyahoga County's prosecutor because his opponent in that race is one of the most reprehensible, disgusting, anti-police, anti-victim, anti-law, anti-order candidates to come down maybe ever in Cuyahoga County, and maybe ever anywhere. He's a Soros, out-of-state-funded prosecutor or wannabe prosecutor who's right now a visiting professor at, uh, I believe it's Case, and he is uh, he is challenging he is challenging Michael Malley for the prosecutor's position, and when he gets there, he wants to eliminate police. Well, he wants to eliminate police whether he's there or not. He has said so. No police. No police of any kind anywhere ever. And also, no prisons. No prisons for, and yet he wants to be a prosecutor. Did, did you catch that part? Matthew Ahn is his name. A H N. He is a Soros funded 
would-be prosecutor who is trying to unseat Michael O'Malley, who is a Democrat, by the way. Matthew Ahn is more than just a Democrat, however. Matthew Ahn is an absolute uh, abolish-the-police, defund-police anarchist who wants to be your prosecutor. And guess what? He is collecting money, lots of it, from outside the state of Ohio. Where? From George Soros-funded sources. That's where. He's get, and I'm going to get into all of the details when we talk to Mike O'Malley at 1035 this morning. I very rarely come on this radio program over the course of the last, this is about 10 years now that we've been doing this show. Um, and I've been doing radio for 25. Uh, but I, I can't recall a time in which I will have so enthusiastically supported a Democrat as I will in this race. And, yes, it's a primary, so it's Democrat against Democrat, and you might think, well, big deal. Well, it, it, you're right. Yeah, I get it. It's not Democrat against Republican, but, but the winner of this primary is going to be the prosecutor, period. And I will back and support Michael Malley for that spot to keep this Soros-funded cop hater out of the prosecutor's office, thus putting every single citizen of Cuyahoga County and every visitor from surrounding counties and surrounding states who come into Cleveland in jeopardy because he absolutely is an anti-police and anti-prisons candidate. So I will do everything I can. I'm going to go, I'm going to go you know what's to the walls, um, in support of Mike O'Malley. And I'm going to bring him on the radio at 1035. We're going to talk about this. And I'll give you some of the specifics here in just a couple of minutes after we do our pledge. But that's where we are. So I've got Dave Yost, big big stories to discuss with him, Dr. Everett Piper in the Culture Wars, and Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley will join me at 1035 this morning. Beyond them, of course, it's you, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. All right, if you're a patriot and you believe in police and law and order and, and uh, liberty and everything else that that great, glorious flag stands for and represents, go ahead and stand if you've, uh, if you've got one nearby and face it and put your hand on your heart and join us. If you are a believer in Soros uh, policies, if you are a believer in, uh, in criminals running wild, if you are a believer in anarchy and chaos, well, then... You are not a believer in this country. Don't fake it. Don't virtue signal. Don't stand there and pretend you love this flag or this country. Just take a knee like the good little Marxist that you are. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. I want to actually start um, with just a little bit more on this information. This uh, this Matthew Ahn, who is running for Cuyahoga County Prosecutor, he is um, trying to transform, according to an article from last month, or actually now two months ago, because it was in early December, uh, in the IdeaStream public media, um, there's an article, Candidate Matthew Ahn wants to transform the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office, and it's not a joke, and it's not uh, that's not an overstatement at all. By transform, of course, uh, it means completely destroy, at least in terms of the ability for the Prosecutor's Office to protect and serve the people of Cuyahoga County. 
to let you know a little bit about where he comes from and what his idea set looks like, let me share with you a couple of his social media posts that he has, of course, since removed. From June of 2020. Now, I want you to think about that. What was going on in June of 2020? In June of 2020, we were just obviously a little bit less than a month removed from the George Floyd uh, incident in which he overdosed on a whole bunch of different drugs, including meth and including fentanyl, and then in the course of resisting arrest for a very long period of time, was uh, placed on the ground and held on the ground. It resulted in a terrible optic and an even worse conclusion drawn by a jury that convicted a police officer of killing him when the police officer did not. But nonetheless, that was the narrative. That happened, of course, around Memorial Day weekend in 2020. Less than a month later, June 10th of 2020, Matthew Ahn tweeting and posting from his uh, on brand, it's A-H-N, on brand, a cute little play on words. Okay, that's fine. Um, posted what he believes to be the proper course of action in the midst of riots all over the country during that summer of loathing. If I wanted to use the play on words of 1969, the summer of love, but uh, the summer of love, the summer of loathing, in which cops were being attacked, in which businesses were being destroyed, in which people were being assaulted, in which fires were being set, in which looting was being done, while all of that anarchy and chaos was reigning all over the country. The current Cuyahoga County candidate for prosecutor who's trying to unseat Mike O'Malley tweeted the following. Number eight to abolition. Eight. Actually, that was a hashtag. I take it not a number sign. So it's they're the same thing. Hashtag eight to abolition. These eight steps to abolition is what he said will make us all safe. Direct quote is a world without prisons or police where we can all be safe. Step one of eight, defund the police. Step two, demilitarize communities, which presumably would be taking place by the steps in or the uh, the uh, method of number one. Step three, remove police from schools, because kids don't need, need to be protected at all, of course. Step four, free people from prisons and jails. Wait, what? Yeah, empty the prisons, empty the jails. Step five, repeal laws criminalizing survival. And I'll let you kind of imagine what you think that means. Um, number uh, Step number six, invest in community self-governance. Step seven, provide safe housing for everyone. First of all, that's not bad to say we need safe housing, but providing it for everyone speaks to straight-up socialist engineering in which the government buys houses for everyone. That's what he is. And then finally, number eight, invest in care, not cops. That little um, that little chart or little diagram or whatever it is you want to call it that I'm reading from was followed up with abolition can't wait. Now, this is something that he tweeted uh, and Facebook posted and Instagram posted as I'm looking at the uh, little symbols on it. 
uh, everywhere he could in the summer of 2020. These things now are gone from his uh, from his social media. Why do you think that is? Why do you think a man who said abolish police and abolish prisons would have taken that off of his social media as he runs for county prosecutor? And I say that, of course, rhetorically, because we already know the answer. How can a prosecutor possibly, let me rephrase, how can a person possibly run for prosecutor when that person doesn't believe in law? How are you even an attorney? If you don't believe in laws and you don't believe in in enforcing laws and you don't believe in having police officers out there to arrest people who are breaking laws, if you don't believe in then locking people up when they have broken the laws, how can you possibly be a prosecutor? You 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 I mean this is chaos at a level that I, I don't even think George Cas- Gascon in Los Angeles, California has been this radical, has been this wild. I, I, I don't know of any prosecutor, even the one in San Francisco who got repealed, uh, you know, who uh, was, was essentially booted from his, from his job. I don't even think he was this bad. How can a prosecutor be a prosecutor if they don't believe in police officers or prisons or jails? Moreover, how can a prosecutor decide which laws he's going to prosecute and which ones he's not? So this is this is something I don't think we can just gloss over and say, well, you know, we've got we've got congressional races and Senate primaries and this has got to be a backseat issue. A backseat this is not a backseat race. This is front seat. This is front row. This is top of the line in terms of importance. Michael Malley a Democrat prosecutor in Cuyahoga County, take the Democrat part of it away for a moment because it doesn't matter. He's doing a good job. He supports police, and police support him. He believes in actually holding people accountable for their crimes. He's got prosecutors specializing in things like prosecuting gangs, the Kia Boys, which is the car theft ring, Gun crimes, sex crimes, homicides, he's got all of those things that are very, very important, top of the line. He believes in juveniles who are committing man-sized crimes being tried as men, meaning tried as adults. He binds juveniles over into adult court if that's what the situation calls for without hesitation or reservation. Matthew Ahn, the Soros-funded candidate, refuses to bind over anyone for virtually anything, does not believe that juveniles should be in adult courts or in adult, uh, the adult criminal justice system. No matter what they do, rape, murder, doesn't matter. Nope. They're going to be out when they're 21 because that's how he does things. Low bail amounts. Doesn't believe in bail. Nobody should have to pay bail. Why? Because it's not fair. It's not fair that some people can afford bail and others cannot. So those who cannot afford bail uh, end up staying in the in the uh, in jail longer, and that's not fair. He doesn't believe in any bail. I mean, we are. I mean, literally, I'm I'm reading the article. One solution set on is to request those cash bail amounts at arraignments less often. In other words, don't ask for bail at all, and use instead electric mo- electronic monitoring. Give them ankle bracelets. Give them those ankle bracelets, and uh, and and we'll we'll know where they are. It's okay. 
Never mind the fact that even with an ankle bracelet, they can go out there and continue to commit crimes. Never mind the fact they can go out there and continue to intimidate witnesses that might be called in their trials. Low bail amounts are usually attached to nonviolent crimes, which on refers to as crimes of desperation. So you see that? Things like theft, things like drugs, dealing, using. Those are crimes of desperation, you see. Nobody is actually inherently evil enough to commit crimes. They only do it if they're desperate enough. The guy hates cops, hates prisons, hates victims, is concerned only about the well-being of the criminals, and he wants to be Calga County Prosecutor. I'm going to underscore this time and time again between now and March 19th when that primary comes. If Mike O'Malley loses and Matthew on wins that primary, Y'all let to just think about moving out of uh, moving away from Northeast Ohio, and don't go, don't ever go into Cuyahoga County again. If you work there, look for a new job. I'm not making this up, and I'm not going over the top. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't exaggerative. This is real. It will be as dangerous as 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 um, San Francisco and Chicago, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, the biggest cities that have the biggest radical prosecutors and radical judges that don't hold people accountable, that set people free, that that have no no cash bail, all of these high crime cities and areas and jurisdictions will be will be just like them. That's I will not work in Cuyahoga County. I will not visit Cuyahoga County because it will be an absolute war zone if this guy becomes the prosecutor. Book it. Mark it down. All right. We're going to talk to Attorney General Dave Yost coming up here in a few. On the other side of that, we're going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper. And after that, we will have Mike O'Malley, the current prosecutor. WHKradio.com. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France. And the answer. All right, that sounds like us all over. It's uh, 935. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday morning. Don't forget, we've got Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley at 1035. Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the hour. But for now, I want to welcome uh, back to our program the Attorney General, top cop, if you will, in the state of Ohio, Attorney General Dave Yost. A.G. Yost, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? Good morning. Doing great, Bob. Good to have you here. There's a lot of uh, stuff that we need to discuss. You've been uh, very, very busy of late, and you're going to get busier because <laughs> the uh, the uh, ACLU has decided to sue the state of Ohio, and uh, apparently they're not really happy with the idea that adults cannot abuse their kids by putting them on permanently um, uh, disfiguring and bodily um, uh, impairing uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones before the full-on bodily mutilation that comes with a sex reassignment surgical procedure. Uh, the SAFE Act is, uh, has been passed. The people have spoken. Their representatives have done what they asked by an overwhelming number, and they, repeat, or they overrode the veto by Governor Mike DeWine, and now the ACLU is trying to stop that from taking place. Uh, can you tell me how you're going to defend the state of Ohio? Well, it's uh, they have the burden of proof of showing that there's a problem, and I don't think there is a problem. Uh, so as a start, we're going to show that they're acting absurdly. But look, um, we have all kinds of limitations about what minors can do. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, even get a tattoo without getting a permission slip from your folks. Uh, you can't enter into a binding legal contract. You're not allowed to purchase alcohol uh, or cigarettes. 
Uh, you can't enlist in the military until you're almost 18, uh, and you can't fight uh, until you're 18. Why do we have all these kinds of restrictions uh, on things that adults could certainly do? Why can't 16-year-olds do these things? Well, it's because their judgment isn't fully formed. They're, they're still developing. Things change. Uh, if I think back to when I was 12 or 15 or even 17 and think about uh, how different I was after a couple of years of college at 20, you wouldn't even think you're the same person. Um, so I think the state is well within its rights to use its traditional powers to protect its children here. This is just one in a long string of things that this and other states have done to recognize that children's judgment is not completely formed and their choices uh, are properly limited until they achieve adulthood. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, We're talking to Attorney General Dave Yost. Have you read the complaint that they have filed, and what is their argument? What are they saying that that is uh, even remotely uh, questionable in terms of the constitutionality or the legality of the the bill that was passed, vetoed, and then overridden? Well, uh, candidly, I haven't read it. I'm sure one of my staff is reading it. Um, But I've been focused this week on uh, capital punishment and uh, the uh, Norfolk Southern train wreck lawsuit uh, is where I've been spending my time. Well, well, that's good, because that was my next topic anyway. No, that's fine. That was my next topic anyway. (laughs) Let's talk about nitrogen. First of all, tell tell us the state of capital punishment in the state of Ohio. We were just discussing it in the open. It's been since 2018 that there has been an execution carried out in the state of Ohio, and there's been a myriad of problems. First of all, lay that out for us, and then tell us why, Attorney General Yost, um, the method that was just uh, uh, used in Alabama might be a way for us to go. Sure. Uh, So we have 118 people on death row here in Ohio. The average stay, Bob, is 21 years. Uh, Bob Hand, who I convicted uh, when I was a prosecutor in Delaware uh, County, still on death row. That that trial was in 2003. He still hasn't uh, had his date with justice in spite of the fact that he killed three out of four wives over the course of more than 20 years uh, for insurance proceeds. Uh, I mean, just a ghoulish, awful case. Um, and there's many more. These are only the worst of the worst that are on death row. Uh, and they wait, and they wait. they're more likely to die of old age than uh, receiving their, their sentence. But, uh, as you say, it's been, uh, excuse me, dead in the water for the last, uh, since 2018. Um, and uh, part of that is because the uh, people that manufacture lethal injection, which is currently the only method permitted uh, in Ohio for capital punishment, won't sell it uh, to us for that purpose. And they threaten that if we buy it under other pretense and then divert it to capital punishment, um, that they won't sell us any of the drugs in their uh, inventory. Uh, including medicines that we need at the Department of Health or for the Department of Medicaid. Um, so the, the, the governor's in a little bit of a trick box here. Um, we think that nitrogen uh, presents a way, it's, it's in the air we breathe, it's widely available, uh, and it presents an opportunity to be 
able to get around the drug companies' um, boycott, basically. So some of the opponents of capital punishment were complaining about the execution that was just carried out using the nitrogen um, in, in Alabama, saying that he writhed on the table and clearly he was in pain. And aside from the fact that, generally speaking, I don't care whether or not uh, people suffer when they, uh, when, they are, when they are having their date with justice, as you, you, you appropriately put it, but aside from that, they're saying that it's uh, you know it, it can cause great pain. So I'm kind of curious. I've always wondered this, and maybe you don't have any better an answer than I do because you're not a doctor. But I'm just wondering. We have people who die on operating tables every day. They we have people who survive on operating tables every day too. But they are given the the, the anesthesia that helps them sleep through the, being cut open and having their organs you know tinkered with and built rebuilt and everything else that happens there. And sometimes the anesthesia is off, and the patient dies in completely no pain whatsoever. Why don't we just give them whatever anesthesia is given to a surgical patient? Put it on their mouth and it's then just let it go until uh, until like I said, there's 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 it's pain free given the fact that surgeries are pain free uh, until it's recovery time. <laughs> why why is, isn't there a sim- isn't there a more simple way to do this? Is what I'm asking, Attorney General Yost. Well, well, there is, uh, but we have the same problem with that that we do with lethal injection drugs. The manufacturers of those anesthetics are not going to provide them for that purpose. Um, and obviously, we don't want to be a physician where um, one of the many Ohioans that are on Medicaid uh, don't have their the anesthetic drugs available to them uh, just so that we can you know, carry out a capital sentence. But let's return for a second to this writhing on the table stuff. Yeah. Um, this, the fact of the matter is this method using nitrogen has been used uh, in, is being used in Europe. Uh, modern, sensitive, progressive Europe uh, allows this for assisted suicide. So if, if this is all that inhumane and cruel. You have to believe that all those enlightened people over there on the continent are somehow embracing this uh, without regard to its cruelty, and that all the people that elect to use this for assisted suicide to end their lives are knowingly adopting something that is going to cause them uh, great pain. None of that makes any sense. Here's the truth of the matter. The fellow that was executed in Alabama, a murderer, didn't want to die. He didn't want to die at all. He didn't want to die by nitrogen. And he held his breath. And he squirmed around and resisted on the table because that's I mean, what we expect. A murderer, a condemned murderer, is going to go, oh, well, that's the rules. I guess I need to submit to being strapped down and, and given nitrogen. I'll just lay here peacefully. Uh, come on, guys. Uh, th- this is the worst kind. People that are arguing about that piece are absolutely ruining their credibility because it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If you want to be anti-capital punishment, beautiful. I respect you. I think it's a hard question coming from a guy who's looked into the eyes of 12 jurors and asked them to kill kill a a fellow human being. That's not an easy thing to do. I was sleepless the night before I made that argument to the jury. But come on, uh, 
base it on the morality of your principles. Don't make stuff up. Say that this assisted suicide methodology is somehow cruel and unusual. That's bunk. That's a great. That's a great uh, response, uh, and and you're spot on. We're talking to Attorney General Dave Yost. To to the last point, though, about you know, if you are anti capital punishment, fine, be that, have that opinion, and that's okay. Uh, you respect that. I do too. Um, how do you, as a pro capital punishment um, uh, attorney general and just person, um, how do you deal with the number of cases in which people who uh, are on on death row in some cases, uh, sometimes they're just in doing long prison sentences for for various things. Uh, and you know later on the you know the uh, uh, the uh, why am I not able to call it what it what it is the uh, for crying out loud why am I blanking uh, on the uh, the 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 testing the uh, te- te- uh, why can I not think of the word for crying out loud testing proves that they they didn't do it um, our DNA code for crying no, out loud yeah, I cannot DNA, think of the letters yeah. DNA sure. I was going to say CGI for crying I couldn't even yeah. think of so DNA testing proves that somebody didn't. Um, and and so their argument, the biggest argument for the anti-capital punishment folks that I hear, including people that I respect, is we cannot allow an innocent person to be put to death. We can set somebody who was wrongly convicted free after a long time of being in prison, but we can't bring them back from the grave. That's enough of a reason to oppose it. How do you answer those folks, A.G. Yost? Well, I would agree with their moral evaluation. I would disagree with their assessment of the system. Uh, look, one of the reasons, again, you hear constantly, the death penalty is so expensive. Well, why is it so expensive? It's so expensive because we spend years, decades, making sure that the process was right. The people that get moderated, that's evidence of the system working. There's no evidence that a single person in the state of Ohio has ever been executed who is innocent. Now, there have been people who have been convicted, but those convictions have been overturned. Uh, and, you know, I'm in agreement uh, with those people that say, you know, we should not allow uh, the potential for a mistake on the day of uh, that the sentence is carried out. But I, I honestly believe that appeal after appeal all the way through the state courts, habeas through the federal courts, uh, habeas through the state courts. I I mean, this guy, uh, Bob Hand, that I told you about, Mm -hmm. uh, that I prosecuted, uh, he exhausted his appeals in 2018. His, His lawyers literally can't think of anything else to say. And you know why? He, He did it. He is guilty. Um, and it's time that the three daughters that Jill Hand left behind, who I met with earlier, late last year, I guess, um, have finally the promise that was made to them 21 years ago uh, is finally fulfilled. Yeah, and and uh, I completely agree. And the idea, and it's a little bit, you know, of an exaggeration, but the people can die of old age before they actually face their day with justice. You're spot on. The fact that he's there 21 years, or anybody else is there that long, long after their appeals have expired, six years now. In that case, it's just uh, incomprehensible. Uh, let's get a couple of other quick things in here while we have you on the phone, Attorney General Yost. We'll talk about the train uh, lawsuit in a moment too. In fact, do that one first, and then we'll get to the uh, your latest rejection of the voting rights overhaul proposal. 
Russell, but tell us about the uh, uh, the the, uh, the rail uh, lawsuit that you had mentioned. So uh, there's a lot of legal procedures that are going on there, obviously. Um, there's a fair amount of pressure to settle the lawsuit. Um, the first thing is all of the immediate needs, the cleanup, uh, the help for the community, is already in place. Uh, and I'll give Norfolk uh, some credit. Um, they have opened up their wallet and spent um, probably nine figures uh, in the course of all of this. So um, the, the, the immediate harm has receded. Now we're worried about the long-term harm uh, and also the causation, which brings me to the second point. We can't get this case resolved until after the, the NTSB completes its investigation and tells us what happened. Um, I'm hearing that that's going to be this sometime this summer. Uh, until I see that report, I'm not ready to sign off on any resolution to this. Will you be uh, meeting uh, the President of the United States in uh, East Palestine? Well, he hasn't reached out to invite me, um, but uh, I have been in contact with the uh, EPA and the Department of Justice. And well, you were, uh, This is, of course, uh, a joint state and federal responsibility in mm-hmm. holding this as a railway accountable. Yeah, and, uh, and and certainly we hope that is done sooner rather than later. I get very frustrated with the pace of things sometimes and the fact that it's going to be by this summer, as you point out, it's going to be a year and a half or more since the actual uh, you know, derailment and the accident happened. So uh, uh, hold, you know, getting justice for people and uh, you know, getting accountability for those who are responsible for it, uh, you know, it's 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 a very slow moving train, if if we can borrow that, and uh, and it's a little bit frustrating for folks. I can certainly say that. Uh, last thing, Attorney General Dave Yost, and we appreciate your time this morning. You have rejected for the second time, I believe, um, the voting rights overhaul that has been put forth uh, as people try to. Uh, make you know limitless ballot drop boxes and uh, same day registration and registering automatically as soon as you go to a DMV, but not requiring any any photo identification when you go to vote the whole nine yards. Um, you said no a second time. Tell us why. Well, it's important to understand. I don't get to inject my policy preferences here. Mm-hmm. I have a very limited job where I look at the summary that's going to go on top of the petitions. Um, and say I rule on whether it's a fair and truthful summary of what the uh, ballot, uh, excuse me, what the uh, amendment would do. Uh, In this case, they restyled it. The title on it is uh, Voters' uh, Bill of Rights. Um, And what it actually is is a redesign of our voting system. Uh, now, a, a Bill of Rights, I know you're well aware, because I've, I've heard you talk about uh, our Constitution and our founders, mm-hmm. um, our, a Bill of Rights is stuff that belongs to the people, that can be enforced. Uh, it creates a positive right. Um, that's not what this does. What this does is it upends and redesigns, reengineers our entire uh, election system uh, in a manner more pleasing to um, the group that's putting it together. Um, So 
the Supreme Court has recently held that the title is uh, material to a, a, an initiated uh, statute or amendment uh, or, or ordinance. And so uh, we've taken a look at that. Uh, candidly, the office is not always under Mike DeWine uh, and even under me. We haven't always looked at that, but with this recent Supreme Court case, we're looking at the title as well, and it, it's, it just is calling it something that it's not, something that's very attractive. Who's, who could be against a Bill of Rights? Right. Uh, but that's not what this is. Yeah, that's what makes it misleading. 100% agree. And, and you know, regardless of what the actual language is, it's what it's presented to the public, the voters as, that can have an impact on, on, on what they do and how they decide things. So it has to be accurate. I completely concur. Do you think they'll keep coming back with new language? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and eventually uh, they will correct all of their deficiencies, and it will be my duty to sign off on it, uh, regardless of where, where whether I think it's uh, good public policy or What's not. What's the deadline for them to do that before it can, so it can get on the ballot in November? Uh, to get this year, I think it's early July, maybe the third of July. Uh, it's sometime in July. Oh, so they got so they got some time here. They got three, four months anyway to to figure it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Well, listen, Attorney General Rios, thank you for the great job you're doing. You're standing up for justice. You're standing up for the rights of the people in this state, uh, whether it be for for accuracy and in, uh, in in amendments and proposals and initiatives and so forth, and the death penalty and so forth. Keep up the great work. We really do appreciate it, and we appreciate you checking in with us. I appreciate it, but it's my duty. I hope you have a great day. And you do the same. Thank you, sir. That's the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost. And uh, I doggone near called DNA DEI. That's how freaking pervasive and invasive that thing is right now. I literally could not think of DNA because I was going to say DEI. And I know what DEI. I almost switched to CGI for crying out loud. Uh, Dave Yost is doing a phenomenal job, in my opinion, as the Attorney General of this state. He really is. He is He is checking all the right boxes. He is hitting all the right notes. And he's doing what the people of the state of Ohio expected him to do when they, when they voted for him and elected him again. Uh, I just think it's a, a terrific, terrific job that he's doing. Time out here. Top of the hour is coming. Dr. Everett Piper on the, on the flip. And then at the bottom of the next hour, you're going to want to be here when we talk to Calgary County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley, who's running for re-election and must be re-elected. He's got a Soros-backed opponent in, a, in the... Pro- I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Onward, we roll into our number two, seven minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday morning. It's the very first morning of the second month, also known as Division Month, uh, in the year of our Lord 2024. Yes, it's CRT Month. Make sure that you recognize it. Thanks to Attorney General Dave Yost. Really, really great conversation about some really, really very important things, and I'm so glad he's on our side, and he's on the side of law and order and righteousness. Speaking of those things, we are going to be talking with uh, Michael Malley, who is the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor, in about a half an hour. He is also on the side of law and order, but he's being challenged in this primary coming up next month by a Soros-backed candidate to replace him as prosecutor who believes in nothing 
when it comes to law and order. No police, no prisons. Unbelievable story, but it's real. And we're going to talk to Attorney, or excuse me, uh, to uh, Prosecutor, Calgary County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley. That'll be at uh, at about ten thirty-five. But for now, as it is a Thursday, it's time to wade into the culture wars, and we follow the lead of one Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday. He is a uh, best-selling author. He is a two-time, or excuse me, twice weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He is also a county commissioner in Oklahoma, and he hosts a podcast radio program called The Rebellion, which I highly recommend wherever it is that you do get your podcast. Dr. Piper, welcome back. Good to have you, sir. And I'm also working my way almost into your own backyard right now. I'm in Adrian, Michigan, where I'm speaking at three different events today. So I'm almost a pitching wedge away from you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's close enough. We could make that shot, I think. Uh, so very good. It's good to have you. Uh, uh, universities, or uh, if, I'm, if I may ask, you're, where are you speaking? Uh, a rotary event, and then okay. a private business event, and then okay. a political fundraiser for a candidate up here. Fantastic. Good for you. I'm glad you're uh, glad you're sharing your message uh, in in many different places. So let's share with the uh, listeners here in Ohio and anywhere else they might be listening on the Internet. I think you're asked. I'm going to start. Normally, we start with your your regular column. Then we get to your advice column. Ask Dr. E. But I want to start with Ask Dr. E. This might be my favorite one that you've written. What a phenomenal job of explaining what love is. Let's set the table so that you can explain this for the folks. Uh, in Dr. Piper's Ask Dr. E. column for the Times this week, this ran on Wednesday, so just yesterday. Dear Dr. E., I've been reading the Bible a bit lately, and I can't help but notice its repeated mandate to love everyone. How do conservatives reconcile this with their judgmental attitude toward LGBTQ people, social liberals, and others they disagree with? Aren't we obligated to love everyone despite who or what they are? Signed, Compassionate Democrat from Florida. And again, this was my this is my favorite response I think you've ever given. Why don't you go ahead and give the folks what you what you what you have to say? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, sidebar to all this: when you write or do what you do as a commentator, you're often surprised, aren't you, by the comments where someone will say, "Hey, that's the best thing you ever said." You don't necessarily feel that way, but you know, uh, if you're just if you're faithful and true to your message, you never know how it's affecting other people. So, mm-hmm. thanks for saying that. I appreciate Certainly. that. Maybe it's an encouragement to all your listeners to stay the course, speak your mind, speak up boldly with courage and confidence. And even though you may not think it was your best thing you ever said. Somebody else might, and it may change their life. So, anyway, that's not what you asked, but I thought I'd throw that in there. No, I okay. That. My response: When people throw out this stuff about you know conservatives aren't loving, or Christians are supposed to love everyone, uh, your, your response should always be: Well, let's define love, because this conversation all um, it, it revolves around the right definition of love. We cannot continue to have a debate on this particular issue until we define love rightly. So what is love? I agree. The Bible does tell us to love. Uh, The Apostle John says that God is love. The epistles of John call upon us to demonstrate our love and prove our faith in Christ through our love. So yes, Christians, conservatives, are supposed to be loving people, but we have to define love properly. And here's here's the obvious. Let's just take an analogy from our daily lives. Any good parent knows, any good parent knows that the difference between love and affirmation or love and tolerance is huge. For example, when your toddler goes to put his hand on a burning stove, the last thing he needs from you 
is your toleration or affirmation. A loving parent will step in the way and say, no, don't touch the fire. Or if an older child starts running out close to the road or, heaven forbid, runs out into the road, the last thing that son or daughter needs out of you is a group hug. (laughs) They don't need you to affirm their bad behavior or their poor choice because that behavior could kill them. So good parenting obviously understands the distinction between affirmation and love or toleration and love. Because a loving parent will do what my dad did to me, and he'll say, stop. He'll stand in the way and say, this is a bad choice. You shouldn't do it. That's love. God does that with us. We know this from Scripture because we're told specifically, I believe it's in Hebrews, the Lord disciplines those he loves. So discipline and love are synonymous. They're not antithetical to one another. They're not opposites. Two sides of the same coin. And you might actually take that Bible verse a little bit further and say, if the Lord isn't disciplining you, is that evidence that you are not loved? So the absence of discipline, confrontation, correction, if you will, might be evidence of a lack of love. And I would argue in our postmodern culture, we're seeing that in spades in the way our parents, excuse me, parents treat their children. They affirm their children when they're making terrible choices. Kid wants to cut off his appendages because he thinks that he's a girl, not a boy. So you affirm that choice? Terrible, terrible parenting. That's not love. That's enablement. You're enabling your child to do harmful things. And another thing, I could go on and on, as you know I do in my article, but yeah. um, this, this, this argument that love and sex are synonymous, that love is love, the implication there is that if you want to have sex with somebody, then you love them. Or that if you love someone, you're going to have sex with them. them. Well, you know what? I would argue that all of us love people that we choose not to have sex with. At least I hope we do. I mean, it, there are tons of people in our lives that we indeed do love, but we are not engaged in sex with those people. So love and sex are not synonymous terms. Love and tolerance are not synonymous terms. Love and affirmation are not synonymous. Love and enablement are not synonymous terms. And in fact, many times they're the exact opposite. And I'll close with this. I didn't tell this story in my article, but I go back to my time when I was on the O'Reilly Factor several years ago, and we got into this issue of tolerance. And I looked at Mr. O'Reilly through the lens of the camera, and I said, Mr. O'Reilly, on your anniversary, did you send your wife an I tolerate you card? (laughs) The answer is clearly no. It would not have ended well, because tolerance is an inferior virtue. Tolerance says, I don't love you. I may not even like you, but I will tolerate you. That's not a compliment. But Christian charity, love, is a superior virtue, because it says, I care enough about you to stand in your way and tell you to stop. Love cares a great deal, whereas tolerance could care less. Yeah, and you know, as a parent, and my kids are are both moderately grown now, they're 22 and 20, but they still feel like my little kids, but um, like everyone else, you know, you, you kind of monitor yourself as you grow, as uh, as they grow up, and as you go through the best way to prepare them for life. Of course you love them, but does that mean you do not discipline them? Does that, you know, you mentioned whether it's touching a hot stove or, or, or doing any, doing any number of things that might be harmful to them or others being mean to them 
can indeed be love for them. If I've got to be mean to them and drop a hammer down on them to really, really underscore how incredibly bad it is, something that they're doing is, uh, to make sure that they don't do that, that is truly showing the ultimate love. I just, your definition of love and, and the multiple different ways in which love can be expressed without somebody looking at it and thinking, well, clearly that's a, an act of love, but it really is. That's what I loved about this piece. Um, Helicopter parents and parents who try to always be their kid's best friend. And I know I'm, I'm kind of diving just into the parent-child relationship here, and it's this is across so many other different spectrums of human interaction. But just focusing on that one, because you had a few examples there, um, those are acts of love, and, and they may not appear uh, to be that way if you are just looking at it from the outside. And I think your explanation of what love really means with respect to tolerance, with respect to discipline, and so on and so forth, is just one of the best things I've ever read. Not to heap so much praise upon you to make you uncomfortable, but I want to underscore what you're saying, and I want people to read this. I tweeted it out, by the way, so that other people can see it in its entirety, because I think it is, it is that well said. Well, I, I would say this. I, I know we need to move on, but... I, just a, I won't get too detailed here because it would be inappropriate, but one of the most difficult decisions I ever made as a dad broke my heart. Uh, it, it, it broke my heart. I, I had to really come down hard on one of my boys, and it, it, it worked. It, it was painful for him and for me, <laughs> uh, and it was hard for me to stay the course. Um, but my boy is a rock star now in terms of the way he's living his life and what he's doing in his profession and for the Lord. And with his, you know, he's, he's a great husband. He's a great Christian leader. He's a great spokesperson for right ideas. And uh, I had to make some tough decisions as a dad. And you're, you, you feel like you're rolling the dice. I don't know if this will work. But you follow what Scripture tells us to follow. You, you model the biblical definition of love which is many times confrontational rather than uh, coddling. It goes back to my not-a-daycare yeah. um, commentary of years ago. I, you know, I was accused when I said that uh, pro- by primarily evangelical Christians. They were, the, they were the naysayers when I said, this is not a daycare, it, grow up, this is a university, if you want me to coddle you rather than confront you, go someplace else. It was conservative Christians that says, oh, you're being too harsh, you're being too strident. It was seculars that read the Wall Street Journal that called me up and tweeted and contacted me and said, thank you, it needed to be said. It was the Christian community that said, oh, that's not loving. And I I disagree, obviously, by the way I'm commenting right now, I disagree in spades. What What our young people need to hear is what my coach taught me in basketball. I am not your friend. I am your coach, and I'm going to teach you how to play this game as best I can. And as the result of that, you will win. So when I kick your tail or I sit you on the branch or I yell at you or I tell you, you cannot continue to make these mistakes if you want to play on my team. It's because I'm not your friend. I'm your coach, and you need to understand the difference. That's that right. was love. That wasn't enablement. Very, very well said. Uh, let us indeed move on. It is 1019 now. Let's talk about your other column this week, uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Westernism. I've seen and read a few people talking about this of late, uh, but again, this was extraordinarily well written. Um, we are we are um, all Jews in the in the to the extent that we suffer the same hatred from those of a particular religious faith and particular culture. Uh, And they do not distinguish us, which is why it is so important for us, in my opinion, 
to continue to back uh, the leadership of the Israeli state uh, as they continue to try to, uh, you know, uh, protect and defend their own right to exist because they are literally being threatened with being wiped out, as are we, because we are treated the same way um, as the, uh, you know, the leading nation in the West and the world, quite frankly. Tell us a little more about anti-Semitism and anti-Westernism. All right. Um, this is an article that I, I quote out of the Free Press that was written by a woman by the name of Madeline Rowley. And her article is basically a case study of five different Muslims, or ex-Muslims, individuals who have left Islam and their reasons why. And she quotes these people, and I won't take the time to quote all of them, but I will cite one of those individuals that Mrs. Rowley covers. It's a woman by the name of Darya Safai, I think is how you pronounce her name. She grew up in Tehran, and she uh, left Islam. And she gives her reasons why. She talks about how in the schools in Tehran, after the, um, the revolution, that they were taught every day to repeat things like, down with the USA, down with Israel. And then she goes on and she provides evidence of decades of anti-Semitism and anti-American propaganda, where they put paintings of Israeli flags and American flags on the sidewalks at schools so that the children would walk across them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the point in her particular testimony this woman's testimony. She says this in the end of her interview. She says, this worldview, this anti-American, anti-Israeli, this anti-Semitic worldview ruined Iran and destroyed the Middle East. And then she says, do we want to wait until this atrocity ruins everything our Western, in our Western countries too? One more time, do we want to wait until this worldview, this atrocity ruins everything, not only in Iran, but in all of our Western countries, too. That should ring true to everyone listening right now. Why? Because the same garbage that she was taught in Iran when she was a kid is the exact same garbage that's being taught in your schools locally right now. No, that's not hyperbole. That's reality. Look at the, the, um, the premise, the underlying assumptions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You hear words like anti-colonialism all the time coming out of that movement. Well, what does that mean? It means that the colonialism of the Israelis within the Middle East, exporting their worldview, their ideology, their biblical way of living, their biblical ideas out of Israel into the surrounding countries, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. That's colonialism. And likewise, the colonialism of the European West. And what they've done as they exported a Judeo-Christian ethic into Africa, into South America, and into the Americas, into the United States, that's a bad thing. Clear evidence of all of this being taught right now as a professor at the University of Minnesota. And she has told her students recently, her name is Melanie Yazzie. This is what she said in a recent class up at the University of Minnesota. Go as hard as possible to decolonize. America, and overthrow the occupational government of the United States, as well as that of Israel. They're one and the same, really. So she just tied together the colonialism, quote-unquote, of Israel with the colonialism of the United States and how it's evil and it's bad and it needs to be overthrown, decolonized. And then she concludes by saying, our goal is to dismantle the settler project that is the United States from the future of the planet. The way of Palestine is the alternative path for Native nations. She's calling upon the American tribes, Cherokees, Chickasaw, Choctaw, 
Seminole, the, 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 the Lakotas. She's calling upon them to rise up and cast off the colonization of the West in the same manner that Hamas has done in Palestine. Does that send a chill down your spine? It should, because she is elevating the tactics of Hamas to the same. She's saying that's good. They're doing the work of decolonization, as you students should be doing here in the United States. Same ideas, anti-Americanism, anti-colonialism, anti-Semitism, the same exact agenda. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And, you know, um, there are a lot of people who fear that that is exactly what is happening now by way of our southern border. That there are people, from not just from the Middle East, but but specifically because of the topic, from the Middle East that are coming into the United States with an, with an agenda to perhaps do something like what was just done in Israel by Hamas. Um, in fact, uh, a letter was written by a bunch of former FBI operatives uh, to the to the uh, uh, you know executive leaders of this country, saying, "Beware, because they don't need to paraglide in here. They're already here now. You have allowed them to come in here, and beware of this." style of attack as an attempt to, um, you know, to further that cause that you just mentioned, decolonization and essentially reclaiming land that uh, they believe was stolen. Yeah, it's it, this. This is not I, I want to emphasize to your listeners, this is not hyperbole. It's not. Well, you know, this is an extreme thing that might happen. It is happening because it's being taught in your local universities. And by default, it's also being taught in your local public schools. Because diversity, equity, and inclusion, critical theory, critical race theory, and even the LGBTQ assumptions of those worldviews, they're all part and parcel of the anti-American, anti-Semitism, anti-colonialism that you hear about all the time. And the only solution in the minds of these leftists is to tear it all down, deconstruct it, use their language, deconstruction, deconstruct it, tear it all down, and then build a utopia out of the rubble that they've created. They want to tear the Constitutional Republic down. They want to, quote-unquote, give it all back, decolonize everything, because European, Westernism, Americanism, Christianity, Judeo-Christian ethic, all bad, all bad. And the only thing that we can get, uh, or the only improvement that we can make in our lives is to destroy it all and build a Marxist utopia up in its place. That's exactly what their goal is. Very well done. Dr. Everett Piper, uh, thank you for taking the time out on your trip. Enjoy uh, the state of Michigan for what it's worth. And uh, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. Piper. All right, 1026 now. We're going to take a time out here. And on the other side, we're going to uh, welcome uh, the prosecutor uh, for Cuyahoga County, Michael Malley, to our program. He's got a very, very, very important primary uh, coming up next month that he has to win. Not for his sake, but for your sake. And for everybody who lives and works or visits. WHKradio.com. Giving you unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. Okay, 1036 now. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. If you missed our conversation with A.J. Dave Yost in the first hour, you should check that out. It'll be available about an hour after the show at WHKradio.com. On the podcast page, we also had a great conversation with Dr. Everett Piper that you might want to catch up on if you missed any of that. And now, <clears throat> it's my pleasure to introduce the uh, prosecutor for Cuyahoga County, Ohio, uh, two-term prosecutor who is running for a third now. He's got a very important primary coming up on March 19th. Michael O'Malley joins us on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Prosecutor, good to talk to you. How are you, sir? It's a pleasure to be here today, Bob. So... 
Your race is such an extraordinarily important one. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I want everybody who doesn't understand this to know the challenge that is before you and before, quite frankly, all of us when it comes to safety and security in Cuyahoga County, for those who live there, those who work there, and those who visit there. You're being challenged by uh, a gentleman named uh, Matthew Ahn, who has apparently decided that the way um, prosecutors are operating in places like Los Angeles, California, San Francisco, California, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Baltimore, Maryland, New York City, Philadelphia, and these are all places with something in common. They have extraordinarily left-wing prosecutors who do not support police and do not support putting people in prison. Mr. O'Malley, can you tell me um, the importance of making sure that we continue to do what you have been doing in your time, and that is upholding the law and protecting the people of Cuyahoga County? Well, you you hit it right on the head, Bob. You know, this uh, March 19th, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's, we are in a race in the Democratic primary where I have a challenger from the far left who has that philosophy that we have seen pushed in other communities where, you know, he's advocated to abolish the pleas, to to not press charges against individuals who are committing uh, various types of crimes. And, and, and this is an experiment that we have seen across the country, and in every incident or instance, it mm-hmm. has failed uh, horribly. And so that is the challenge uh, that I'm facing is getting the word out on how important and how critical this race is on March 19th. Yeah, it is, it is beyond critical. I, you know, and, and as you say, this is a Democratic primary. Typically, I'm not a huge supporter of a lot of Democrats, but in this particular case, I am in favor of law and order. You are a public servant, as far as I can tell. And I know, and I talked to Cleveland Police, um, former CPPA President Steve Loomis is a huge supporter of yours. We talk all of the time. And you actually do the job that is, regardless of what party affiliation you have, you do the job um, uh, that you have been elected to do. And that is to protect and serve the people. And that includes not being soft when it comes to uh, certain criminals. And, and I want to compare well, yeah. and contrast you with, uh, with, with Mr. Ahn insofar as uh, your, your approach toward juvenile criminals. You have made it um, your mission to make sure that even, even offenders who are juveniles, if they do big boy crimes, they get charged with big boy crimes, and they get treated in big boy court. He has made it his mission to make sure that nobody gets bound over, if they are juveniles, into an adult court and facing the adult criminal justice system. Tell me why it's so important that you do. Well, you know what, Bob? First and foremost, um, Within the state of Ohio, we have a law that has been passed, a constitutional you know, amendment on the Ohio Charter that is called Marcy's Law. And it, it requires myself and my staff to sit down with the victims of crime and to get their input. And I can tell you, Bob, when you talk about serious crimes and, and individuals being bound over to adult court, uh, a vast majority, in particular the last several years, we have seen a spike in homicides committed uh, by juveniles. Over the last two years within Cuyahoga County, uh, there was 35 juveniles charged in, in 2022 and 41 charged in 2023 for aggravated murder or murder. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, part of my duties require us to sit down with these families. And when, as you put it, when you do big boy crimes, you know, you have to do uh, big boy sentences. And the reality is when we sit down with families, you know, we talk to them, we take their viewpoint seriously. Uh, and I can tell you that in most instances, these families are saying uh, having an individual uh, serve three or four years for murdering my father, my mother, my brother, my child, whoever. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not heard. And you know what, when you pull out, uh, however you do it, whether, you know, we've had instances where people are stealing cars and driving in excessive speed limits, or you're pulling out a gun or a knife and you're, you're, you're harming people, you know, there has to be, you know, we always look to try to rehabilitate low-level offenders. But when you're committing these type of acts of violence crime, a violent crime that we see far too often in our community, you know, the pendulum swings to public safety, and it's incumbent upon myself and my staff to understand that we work towards rehabilitation, but at some point that pendulum becomes about public safety, and those individuals need to be held accountable, and they need to be removed from the streets uh, for the sake of everybody else in society. And I hope when they're doing their sentences, and we've seen instances where a juvenile gets 10 or 15 or 20 years, and they come out and they're better people for it. They have learned, they have matured, and they realize that with every action, there are consequences. And, you know, when, when they do get out, it's my hope and it's my expectation that they'll be law-abiding citizens and, and lead productive lives after that. But at some point, again, you need to be held accountable. That is very well said. We are talking with the prosecutor of Cuyahoga County, Mike O'Malley. His uh, re-election primary is March 19th, of course, Ohio's primary day. He's running against a challenger named Matthew Ahn, who, as far as I can tell, is a far-left cop hater who uh, has no love for the law nor for victims, but has all kinds of concerning care for criminals. Let's talk about that for a moment. Tell me about cash bail. I'm reading an article. I've read a couple of articles, actually, about uh, Matthew on challenging you, and he has essentially said in a number of different places that uh, cash bail is not fair because too many poor criminals uh, can't bond their way out when people who are of means can, so therefore there shouldn't be cash bail largely, uh, even for, for violent crimes, which he calls, uh, excuse me, which are the opposite of what he calls crimes of desperation, things like theft and drug use and so forth. But um, Tell me where you are when it comes to cash bail and how important it is. Well, you know what? When I when I came into office, you know, we, the the prosecutors you, you would be in the room, and you know there was a wide variety of discretion. But I don't think what Matthew unrealizes is that the court has, and they've had for decades, a a department that does in depth analysis of every one of those offenders who are appearing in, in the arraignment room, and it's called the Bond Commissioner's Office. And they look at things like, what is this particular crime? Was it a violent crime? How many priors does this have? Is this person a risk to the community? So all of those factors are being looked at. And the common police court, and I don't even know that Mr. Ron realizes that, is that these decisions are made by a judge uh, of the common pleas court, these these bail decisions, and they are making these decisions based upon information of which you know uh, Mr. On has has no idea about. And again, these decisions are being made by a, a, a judge who bases it upon uh, experienced professionals who have a lot and a great deal of training in the, and they make recommendations to the judges. And so when these recommendations are made, we generally in my office, we will 
object to the bonds if there's a risk to the offender. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a risk to the victim, say we have a violent domestic violence situation. This individual has a history of committing violent acts after he's released. Or say there's a flight risk, you commit a homicide. We will object. But generally what my staff does is, and it's my policy, is to respect the wishes of the bond commissioner's office, follow their recommendations, but we will object and demand higher bonds if there's a flight risk or there's a a risk of safety uh, to the victim. And so, you know, I I think the dilemma with Mr. Ahn is that he's never practiced in, in, in any court within the state, and he doesn't have a real good grasp of the nature of, of the processes as well as the individuals that we're seeing on a daily basis. So, you know, I think he's trying to appeal to a certain uh, the voter who may think, oh, that sounds good, and they perhaps don't know better. But the reality is there are experienced professionals at the Common Police Court in Cuyahoga County who make recommendations. The judges respect their recommendations, and so does my staff. We're talking with uh, Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley about his reelection fight. He's got a primary. He's got a win against Matthew Ahn on March 19th. It's a Democratic primary. First of all, um, Mr. O'Malley, how can people uh, learn more about your campaign, and where can people donate to your campaign? Well, they can go uh, vote voteomalley.com. Uh, we're on we are on the internet. Um, but you know what's it's it's interesting. I'm getting a great deal of support, and you know what? It's critical because, as you indicate, it's a Democratic primary. But there are many independents, and I've even had many Republicans say, you know what? For the sake of the safety in this community, I am going to pull a Democratic ballot on March 19th because I don't want our city to turn into some of these other cities that we've seen across the country. So I am I am I am glad to hear that when I do I, I get phone calls, I get texts, I get emails from people who say this race is too important and and I need to cast my ballot. And as you know, you can vote for whoever you want in the May primary and you can vote for whoever you want in the November general election. And um, like I said, I've had a great deal of people who are indicating they're going to pull that ballot specifically so their voice is heard. So our county does not fall victim to some of these other uh, communities we've seen throughout the county, yeah. uh, throughout the country with these prosecutors who are turning their heads uh, to violent crime. That's why I've uh, listed those, uh, just the ones that came to the top of my mind at the beginning of our conversation. Let's talk a little bit about how important it is for a prosecutor to have a good relationship with the police. And I say that knowing the relationship you have and the respect you have in the Cleveland Police uh, Department. Um, and I want to compare and contrast that to your opponent, who literally, now he has erased this from his social media, hoping that nobody will ever see this again, but I have it in front of me, that in June of 2020, at the height of the riots all around the country, with cops being attacked, with buildings being burned, vandalized, and chaos and anarchy reigning, he tweeted and posted on his social media, eight steps to abolition. A world without prisons or police where we can all be safe. He has defended that, even though he erased this now from his social media, but calling for a defunding of police and ending uh, all prisons and jails, freeing those who are there now, removing police from schools, repealing all laws, criminalizing what he calls survival. It's an extraordinary thing. So, Mr. O'Malley, can you speak to that? How can somebody 
run for prosecutor if they don't believe in police officers that make the arrests that they then have to prosecute, and they don't believe in the prisons where the people they prosecute would be sent when they're done. How can that person possibly be a prosecutor? Well, the simple answer is, is he can't. You know what? If, if Matt had some more life experiences, he would realize that within every occupation, there are people who do wrong. And, you know, after the George Floyd uh, homicide, it was probably the most disgusting murder that most Americans ha- have ever seen, or I, you know, with that television video. But, again, you know, we have teachers, we have politicians, we have every walk of life in our country every occupation who has somebody who does wrong. You know, you can be an accountant and you can be embezzling, but to try to paint an entire group of individuals, police officers, as somehow uh, enemies of the public couldn't be further from the truth. And I can tell you this, in the neighborhoods in which I've been campaigning, people realize the only thing standing between their public safety and absolute chaos is are those men and women who are driving around in squad cars, protecting them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They know that when they call 911, somebody's going to come whose interest is to help them, to make sure they're safe, and to apprehend anyone who may have done them wrong. So, you know, it's critical. We work in a partnership. But again, you know, there are instances that during my tenure, we had a number of East Cleveland police officers who've done wrong, and I have moved uh, to hold to hold them accountable, and again, it's every walk of life, every occupation has individuals who who do wrong. But in most occupations, just with police, they're few and far between, and a vast majority of the public goes to work and does what's right. And to have these views, the outlandish views that to, to, that you're going to abolish police departments or you're going to release people from prisons and jails, or even what his one of his, the posts also included that he's going to remove police from school yeah. i mean that's not acting in the public's best interest it's a bizarre far 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 left viewpoint that most americans both democrats republicans and, and independents don't hold that view they know police are our last line of defense against the wave of crime we're seeing mr o'malley um and by the way i want to re-emphasize to people your website because i asked you about it it's voteomalley.com voteomalley.com um and there is no punctuation of course in a website so no apostrophe in o'malley it's just voteomalley.com and there is a donate button there i want to hit that because what you said i was glad to hear that there are a lot of people who are independents who are going to pull a democrat ballot here and even some republicans as a conservative republican myself i wouldn't advise any of my republican listeners to do that only because there's such an important battle uh in the senate you know there's a senate primary and so you know they have mm-hmm. to they have to cast their vote in that but what they can do is donate they can donate. You don't have to be a Democrat to donate to Michael Malley. You can donate money to Michael Malley's uh, campaign here, which I highly recommend because the the battle here is too important to just sit on the sidelines. You may not be able to pull a Democrat ballot if you want to keep, stay in the Republican race for that uh, reason that I just mentioned, but you can certainly donate to Michael Malley at voteomalley.com, and I want to advise people of that. And now, Speaking of donations... Um, I've got an article in front of me dated today um, from Signal Cleveland about funding uh, headlined, 
Matthew on outraces incumbent prosecutor Michael O'Malley, but lags in overall cash. But what I found interesting isn't the totals that you guys have on hand for this campaign at this point in time, but I'm looking at where some of his money is coming from. Of his um, $146,400 of uh, $146,400 he brought in between July 1st and the end of 2023, 50,000 of it came from a big uh, donor in uh, Massachusetts, Mercy Bioanalytics. Another 5,000 came from a New York cryptocurrency billionaire named Michael Novogratz, CEO of Galaxy Digital Holdings. Why is there so much out-of-state money coming in in support of Matthew Ahn for the position of Cuyahoga County Prosecutor? Well, well, Bob, it's it's a, a good point. You know, his last report he raised roughly one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Eighty-seven percent of that one hundred fifty thousand, so roughly you know one hundred thirty of the one hundred fifty, was from out-of-state donors. In this this current report, we saw one check alone for fifty thousand dollars from an individual in Boston, Massachusetts. What we're seeing is again. This wave that we're seeing around the country where these individuals from outside our community, outside of our state, are trying to buy the law enforcement and the court system within these urban areas. And so what we're seeing here is no different than other urban counties have seen throughout the country where people are putting their own version of justice and attempting to put that in our communities. And again, we have seen this experiment with outside money buying the prosecutors in counties throughout the country. And what we have seen in every case is an absolute disregard of of law enforcement, of enforcing the laws that are on the book, and we see absolute chaos. You know, I, I, I remember watching the national news and watching targets closing in San Francisco because people were just going in and stealing everything at will. We can't have a situation where stores. And what are happened looted. to that prosecutor, by the way? What happened to that prosecutor, Chesa Bowden? Yeah, I believe they were recalled and removed from office. That's exactly right. He was recalled and removed from office because he was not literally took the side of the criminals and and not about uh, the uh, the victims, including businesses. In the example you're talking about right now, and then of course individuals as well. I apologize for the interruption on that, Mr. O'Malley, but um, I've, I've got a caller on the line. I normally don't take calls during interviews, but this particular person, I think you might want to hear from because I believe he's a pretty significant supporter of yours. Tony, can you hear us? Tony, can we punch yes. up Tony? There he is. Yes. Uh, Tony, you're on the air with Mike O'Malley. Go ahead, Tony George. Well, thanks for having me. Um, but listen, you brought up a good point. That's what I was going to talk about, is all this money coming into Cuyahoga County for the prosecutor's race from all over the country. I think the people in Cuyahoga County need to ask that question. What, what do all these donors have to do with Cuyahoga County, and why are they so interested in replacing the prosecutor in Cuyahoga County? This is a scary thing. This is where all these other cities, they, they, they took it for granted. They didn't think their prosecutors could be beat. We have to take this serious. I'm glad that you're having this discussion with Mike. Mike, I'm glad that you're the prosecutor, and we're going to do everything in our power as business guys in Cuyahoga County to make sure you continue to be the prosecutor because we we need law and order in this county because it's not good for businesses. It's not good for the residents if we have chaos. And we won't have investment in Cuyahoga County if there's not law and order. So 
I, I'm glad you brought up the point. I mean, who would give $50,000 and doesn't even live in Cuyahoga County? What's his interest? What's his goal? I think, you know what? Bob, I would love and where to is his fifty thousand dollars coming from, too? Uh, you know, Tony, I right. would ask because you know we have seen what what many people refer to as George Soros prosecutors winning elections in some of these jurisdictions that that uh, Prosecutor O'Malley has been talking about. They they have massive campaign contributions coming from people who get their money from George Soros funded organizations, and that is of course an attempt to to buy these elections for the purposes of creating the chaos in these communities that we talk about. Go ahead. Well, we don't know where that money's coming from. We're not sure, but I can tell you this. I think you should invite on on the radio and ask him why he's getting all this money from outside the county and ask him if he would make a commitment that he won't accept money from outside the county. And I would I would even go further. While you got Mike O'Malley on the phone, I would ask him if he would commit to the same thing. Not to accept money. Well, Mike, Mike is with us right now, so let's let's ask him that question, Mike. Right now, uh, would would you be willing to open up the books on every donation you receive? Ab- you know, absolutely. You know, the last thing our community needs is a criminal justice system that that is being bought and sold by out of towners. And I would absolutely commit whether it's you know keeping money from within the state or keeping money from within Cuyahoga County. The bottom line is that. Our, our community should not be for sale to the highest bidder. And that is what you see when you have these flooding uh, of this out-of-state money. And, let, and let's be you know, realistic. The Democratic Party will, would complain and does complain when there are interests before it and out-of-state money is flooding it. it. We need to be consistent, and we cannot accept it, whether it's for issues or whether it's for candidates. Out-of-state money is trying to buy our criminal justice system. We see yeah. it, and we know it, and we have to call it out. And I would certainly commit just keeping uh, this election about people from within our community, and let's let's have a vote on the issues that we see before us, which well, is people who are committing violent acts across the county and holding those individuals accountable. It's all about public safety. Yeah, it should be anyway, uh, and and unfortunately, I don't think it is. Uh, at least when it comes to your opponent. So, yeah, t- Tony, to your point, yes, we have invited Matthew onto the program. <clears throat> we have reached out several times. We have not yet re- been uh, uh, received a response. But I will indeed ask him if he will return. Agree if um, Michael Malley does. Uh, both of them should return any donations that were made to their campaigns from outside the state of Ohio. We could even limit it to Cuyahoga County, but but that's okay because people in Ohio uh, do business in and visit. And, and do touristy things and so forth in Cuyahoga County, and they all need safety and security as well. So, But outside the state of Ohio, donations, donations should be returned. Mike O'Malley is committing to do that. We're calling on Matthew on to do the same thing, and we'll see where this campaign goes in the course of the next month and a half until March 19th. Um, so, gentlemen, we are – and, Tony, thank you for calling in to give your input on that. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Mike O'Malley, of course. The prosecutor, thank you for the time. Uh, there's six weeks between now and that um, – a little bit more than six, six and a half weeks between now and that uh, primary election on March 19th. I hope as your campaign continues, we can talk again so we can underscore the importance of making sure that we do have somebody who is dedicated to safety and security in Cuyahoga County, which I do not believe your opponent is. So we'll, we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you much. It's a pleasure <clears throat> to be with you today, Bob. And you as well. Thank you, sir.
All right, there's the prosecutor, Michael O'Malley. It's 11 o'clock. We're going to be a little late to the news, but we'll catch up, I promise. And uh, the phone call, phone lines will be open to your calls next. AM 1420, The Answer. Make it up, but it passed the House 357 to 70. Ben Thomas, Washington. Congress calls social media leaders on the carpet for the harm done to children using their platforms, impressionable kids driven to suicide in the most extreme cases. Some victims of loved ones in the audience at yesterday's hearing. Republican Senator Josh Hawley pushed Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg to apologize to the grieving families. Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? And Zuckerberg did stand up. He turned around and apologized. For the second time in 24 hours, the U.S. hit Houthi rebel targets in Yemen, taking out some drones reportedly. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know... And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it is indeed, and a good morning once again to you. Hour number three is underway. It is eight minutes after 11 o'clock on this Thursday, the first morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2024. So uh, great conversations all morning long with uh, Dave Yost, Everett Piper, and uh, just finished up on with Mike O'Malley. I'm looking, by the way, this is such a bizarre, um, I don't know, an uncomfortable feeling for me. I am not a fan of Cleveland's mayor. I am certainly not a fan of uh, of uh, Chantel Brown, Congresswoman Chantel Brown. But I am a fan of what they've done here. They have endorsed Michael Malley. That's important. Mayor Justin Bibb and um, Congresswoman Chantel Brown. This is a story from, oh, this is actually on the, the webpage, on O'Malley's webpage. I'm not sure exactly the uh, publication, but it doesn't matter. Uh, have endorsed uh, his uh, bid for re-election. The endorsements underscore the critical need for continuity in Prosecutor O'Malley's role to ensure community safety and justice, especially in addressing violent crime within Cuyahoga County. Congresswoman Brown stated, for nearly a decade, I have worked with Mike in county government and know he has the experience we need in this office. He has worked to prioritize public safety and committed to a fair and just system that builds trust while keeping our community safe. I am proudly endorsing his re-election campaign and look forward to work continuing to work together. Mayor Bibb said, every day, Prosecutor Mike O'Malley and his staff partners with the Cleveland Division of Police to solve crimes, apprehend perpetrators, and bring closure to victims. We work together as a team, and this is why I enthusiastically endorse Prosecutor O'Malley for re-election, end quote. So that's, you know, 
again, it's just a weird thing because typically the type of Democrats that, um, you know, Justin Bibb and, and, uh, uh, Chantel Brown and, and so many other of the left-wing Democrats in Cuyahoga County that they are. I have no use whatsoever for their opinions because they're usually wrong. But in this case, they're right, and I want to underscore it, and I want to support it uh, because O'Malley is by far the safer choice for Cuyahoga County residents, employees, and visitors, anybody who comes to Cuyahoga County. Look, do you know, do you have any idea how much tourism has dropped off in places like San Francisco and Seattle since they turned into left-wing hellholes with prosecutors who will not prosecute? And police departments that have shrunken because they've been defunded and they're not supported by the prosecutor? Nobody wants to go to those places even to visit. Because it's dangerous. The criminals run wild. They know that there's not enough cops and if there are cops uh, to stop them from from doing you know illegal things, um, they're, they're, the cops are going to have to be very very careful in the way they, they they enforce the law. They're afraid of being fired. They're afraid of being shot. They're afraid of being prosecuted. They're afraid of all of these things. And then even if they do get taken in by the cops, they got prosecutors waiting there who think more about the future of the criminal than they do about the victims. That uh, that were just targeted. This is happening in cities and in, in big uh, cities all over the country. We listed a bunch of them: Seattle, San Francisco, Portland, uh, Chicago, New York, Baltimore, uh, St. Louis, Philadelphia. Add Cleveland to the list. If we have a prosecutor like Matthew Ahn who doesn't want cops or prisons to exist, he posted about it for crying out loud. So I'm supportive of Justin Bibb. In this instance, and Chantel Brown, in this instance, that Mike O'Malley is by far the better choice here, and it's a very, very, it's 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 crucial. Is that a better word? I got to think of better adjectives here. It's crucial. It's imperative. Uh, you pick your word that um, Matthew on a Soros style, if not Soros backed, but certainly backed by out of state money, becomes prosecutor at Cuyahoga County. We will be just like those other cities. Make no mistake about it. There will be no law and order. People won't be able to go out. People won't be able to. Do you know what they, do you know that in Oakland, California, listen to this. In Oakland, California, it's gotten so bad. The criminals there run the, rule the roost and run the streets so much so because they have a weak prosecutor and, 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 a, and a diminished police force. Do you know that the city has issued guidance to workers in Oakland? to spend their lunch hours indoors. If you are working in in Oakland, don't come outside and eat outside. Don't go out in the middle of the day because your safety isn't guaranteed. That's what happens in these types of communities that are run by people like this. And then here comes Matthew on. Here comes Matthew on with $50,000 from somebody in Boston. I mean, we're talking about what? What did well, let's say? Eighty-seven percent of his his um, reported campaign financing is coming from outside the state of Ohio. Why does somebody in Boston have fifty thousand dollars worth of interest in a prosecutor's race in in Cuyahoga County, Ohio? Why would somebody do that? Because there's an agenda to spread this type of chaos all over the country by putting weak, soft 
And intentionally, intentionally so, prosecutors like on in place, like George Ascone, like Chesa Bowden, who was, uh, who was recalled because things got so bad in San Francisco, but to put people like that in place to make sure that the police have no backing and that the criminals fear nothing, because the more destruction that they can cause and create, the quicker it is for them to tear down and rebuild the society into the Marxist type of place that they aim for. I am not even beginning to be joking about this. This is reality. It's here. All right. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Jason is in uh, Brunswick. Hello, Jason. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. That was a really great interview. Uh, I'm glad that you got Prosecutor O'Malley on. Uh, I, I'm really happy that, that people are able to, to kind of hear his voice on the other side, so that way uh, we can try to bridge this gap. Um, so so it's definitely the biggest matter in Cleveland. Uh, your summation was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to chime in on a couple things because you really you really covered it. I was going to talk about Bibb's endorsement and mm-hmm. Chantel Brown. You can add Chris Ronane to that list. Uh, Chris Ronane uh, supported him. I think he endorsed him last week. I'm not a fan of any of those people, okay? But that's why we got to support policy over people. Um, you know, policy exists long after these politicians are gone. So if we promote the right policy, we can keep that cycle going instead of a bunch of bad politicians. Uh, you, you, you mentioned something about uh, who, who his donors were. These are out-of-state donors. What mm-hmm. was it, tech? Sounded like tech and yes. uh, biosecurity. W- what happened? You just said people, people in... San Francisco or Oakland, they, they can't go in and they have to take their lunches uh, inside. Uh, these are no-go zones they're creating. What's the answer for no-go zones? More surveillance. So either way, okay, Justin Bibb might support O'Malley. He's doing that on the face because he knows that On probably doesn't have enough clout to win this race. He's going to support O'Malley to give the appearance. But, but behind the scenes here, they're working, uh, even if On got in, it would help it would help meet some of Bibb's needs through through the the surveillance state through the for the smart city. Okay, um, you, you got to pay attention to that. And what you really have to pay attention to, let's say that On can't win, you have to look at who's supporting him now. Okay, Signal Cleveland, Cleveland Scene Magazine. You have to look at who's putting the, the fact that Bibb and, and Chantel Brown endorsed them. There's people that are very unhappy about that right now. So people got to go and they got to find these posts on social media and they got to mark them down. And they've got to pay attention to what these people are going to be doing because they're not going to go away. They're just going to plot and plan for their next move in two years or four years. So you've got to pay attention to who the players are and how they operate here. Um, so, so those are a few of the points that I wanted to make. Everybody's got to tune in here because there's going to be some, you know, things are changing rapidly and, and we've got to win this, this race. Yeah, your points are spot on, particularly policies over people. You are exactly right. And, and you know, while I, I you know, I, I certainly didn't want to uh, uh, dissuade people from voting for Mike O'Malley if they're not Democrats in this primary, but he said, you know, I've got Republicans who are saying they're going to pull the Democrat ballot in this uh, race just so they can vote for me, and he's happy about that. And I am, too, except for the fact that we need every Republican to step up and vote in the uh, Senate primary uh, to make sure that we can boot uh, Sherrod Brown out. Sherrod Brown, by the way, loves Matthew on. Uh, so we have a, we have a very difficult thing here. We want to make sure that all Republican votes get uh, counted to, to, you know, pick the right person, Bernie Moreno or Frank LaRose or Matt Dolan. I have my, my opinion on that matter, but, uh, but we need them to vote there. We can't have them pulling Democrat ballots for this race. Uh, and, 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 you know, kind of abdicating the, uh, their, their, their role in the, in the Senate race, in the Senate primary. So that's why I'm encouraging people, if you can't vote for Michael O'Malley, at least donate to his campaign so that those who can do, and we make sure that Matthew Allen doesn't come anywhere near that office. 
I, I would agree with that. Um, I would also say uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they're very strategic on how they did this. They knew it was going to be a primary. They knew it was going to be a primary that Republicans are going to want to vote on. Otherwise, they would have just flipped, right? It's just not that big of a deal. But this is a big one for Sherrod Brown, like you say. Uh, and then you pay attention to how, you know, he didn't win the Cuyahoga County endorsement. I don't know if you know that or not. I did, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, just by just okay. by a very a couple of percentage points, um, which you know is why happened? which is why it mattered. By the way, that 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 Bib and Brown and others are endorsing him and 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 uh, Ronan as well, because you're right. As a party, they didn't do the endorsement. They he fell just short because uh, there were some who supported on in this. But to get some of the biggest names in that party in uh, backing O'Malley publicly like this is important. Go ahead. Do you, do you know how that happened there during that vote during the caucus? How it happened? No, I just know that it yeah. happened. So what they did was the the progressives of Cuyahoga County, uh, they they took a bunch of envelopes and they stuffed them with copies of a complaint filed against Prosecutor O'Malley, and that complaint was from Tamir Rice's mother, that was uh, formally hitting him with uh, some kind of some trumped up nonsense charge, that's not going to get decided until after this primary. So that's how they swung anyone wow. that was on the fence. They're teaming up with with Tamir Rice's mother. Who, who hates cops and wants cops uh, wants uh, police abolished, just like Matthew Ahn does. They're using her, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, are they using her? Or is she using them? Because it's the same oh. same agenda. They, I mean, yeah, really, literally, they're you know they're partnering up in this, and it is it is indeed the same agenda. So it's important to note that, and it's a great call, by the way, Jason. And I'm glad you called. Thank you. Uh, make sure you call back again, especially between now and March 19th, as we try to continue to put uh, you know all of this together, so people understand the importance of keeping O'Malley in that position. Um, when I said Sherrod Brown loves Matthew on, I mean, I got an article here from the Washington Free Beacon from September. Ohio Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown, in an August letter, praised a left-wing prosecutor candidate in Cleveland who has endorsed calls to defund police, end cash bail, and pull cops from schools. A Washington Free Beacon review found Brown, on August 7th, wrote to Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Hopeful Matthew Ahn to thank the candidate for, quote, speaking out. A photo of the letter shared by Ahn. Uh, shows the uh, shows it uh, uh, on a left wing law professor known for his progressive views. In other words, his Soros esque views um, has long associated himself with the movement to defund pol- defund police. At the height of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, he argued that nothing short of defunding would combat the white supremacist infiltration of police forces. On also called to end cash bail and end presence police presence in schools. In 2021, the law professor emphasized the need to rethink the role of police who continue to protect protect and serve a social order that never had any value to begin with. So this is the guy that Sherrod Brown liked enough to send a personal handwritten note, and I'm looking at a picture of it. Uh, Professor Ron, good piece in the PD. Thank you for speaking out. We all have much to do to fix our country. Signed, Sherrod Brown. So Sherrod Brown backs Matthew on. That should be literally all you need to know on both of these issues. Vote for the right Republican Senate primary candidate to kick Sherrod Brown's ass the hell out of Washington, but donate money to Mike O'Malley to keep Matthew on the hell out of Cuyahoga County. That's the only way I could say it. I don't want Republicans to cross over and vote for O'Malley because you need to vote for the best person to boot Brown. 
That's crucial, but you can sure as heck help Mike O'Malley against on by, by making a donation. His website, again, is uh, voteomalley.com, voteomalley.com. Vince in Westlake next. Hi, Vince, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Great calls today. Uh, previous caller hit it spot on, too. Um, just want to remind somebody before, you know, my comment. Remember what Nikita Khrushchev said decades ago. We will destroy you from within without even firing a shot. Take a look at what's happening today. They took over all the major markets, New York, Chicago, uh, cities in California, with the woke left-wing source liberals. And now they're doing it in the middle markets like Cleveland, Indy, places like that. This is coming. And it's, if, you, if you look at how the, the synergistic effect that it's having, how rapid it's moving, and it's picking up speed, we're, we're, we're on the edge. I, I'm... I don't know what we need to do. We certainly don't need to convince each other. We know that. It's the people on the left, or the, the middle road liberals, I guess, if you want to call them, mm-hmm. that need to wake up. It sounds like some of them are starting to wake up with Justin Bibb and uh, the other people that, that are in the, in, the, in the inner city community that are realizing this is going to go really, really bad. This is the beginning of complete anarchy, and this is what, the radical left wants, and they've said it before, and they're doing it. And mm-hmm. God help us if we all don't wake up and get busy with it. Um, I, I, I don't think my son or your kids will will see the world that you and I live in or have lived in right no. now. So, no. thanks for all you do, Bob. Thank uh, you, Vince. Keep sounding your heart. But real quick, I, I, yeah. I texted Tony too while you were talking to him. Uh, he's a friend, and I texted him, and I said simply said this. And I said. Once again, brother, you're spot on. What can we do to help? And his message was simple. And I want, you know, glad I have this voice on the radio. Donate to Michael Malley. Help him. Help his campaign. Uh, I'm a Republican like you are. I feel like you do, everything else that. But we need to make sure that this man gets reelected and that this you know, people like on never get anywhere near the powers of control. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Vince. Great call all the way through. Uh, The only thing I would slightly disagree on is when you said that, you know, it seems like people like Bibb and Brown are waking up. They're not really. I think the previous caller from Brunswick was more, you know, on this. They recognize, I mean, they may indeed support some of the same progressive nonsense that ON stands for, but they realize he doesn't have the juice to probably win this, and so they want to be on the side of the guy who wins it. Uh, rather than than backing somebody who you know who is a challenger who loses to the incumbent, so it may be more of that than the other. But either way, um, it, you know, you also raise a good point. If you look at the way all of these cities that have um, elected prosecutors like Gascon and Bowden and and, and and all these others that we've been talking about, if you look at what happened to their cities, they fell apart. And if the cities fall apart because of crime, well, who takes the the biggest hit? The prosecutor? Not so much. Usually it's the executive. So if I'm Justin Bibb and I want to get reelected, I want to be the mayor of Cleveland for a long time, the way Frank Jackson was, I can't have my city fall to pure and utter chaos, which is what the policies of somebody like Matthew Ahn would bring, as he doesn't prosecute people, as he doesn't support police officers, as he tries to put uh, people like uh, Tamir Rice's mother uh, you know, in, in positions of authority, as she's already on civilian review boards and other things. These kinds of things would lead to nothing but disaster for the city of Cleveland, and that's not a good way to get elected again if you're the mayor. 
It's not a good way to get elected again, even if you're Congresswoman Chantel Brown, if uh, you back somebody who leads to the destruction of uh, the city from the standpoint of, of violent and rising crime. Okay, 1126, time out. We got the same. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it is 1135, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Since we were just talking with O'Malley, uh, Prosecutor Mike O'Malley, about uh, you know that whole race and uh, how On doesn't like to, to uh, prosecute people, doesn't believe in jails and prisons and so forth, I just figured just an example of what we're talking about. Here's two stories. One, quickly, very quickly, I'll go to your calls, very quickly. Um, remember the sex the gay sex scene that was filmed in the uh, Senate uh, chamber inside one of the uh, Senate office buildings, the Senate uh, heart off Senate building, I think specifically remember this, the Democrat staffer who decided to go in with somebody else and, uh, and record themselves in a sex video, a gay sex video in the, uh, in the Senate Senate building. Well, U S Capitol police have made an announcement this morning. They are not pressing charges. No charges for lewdness, public lewdness, lasciviousness, uh, indecency. I don't know anything and everything that you can think of about the inappropriateness of that. Public nudity even. No charges, not even a misdemeanor. After consulting with federal and local prosecutors, as well as doing a comprehensive investigation, it was determined that despite a likely violation of congressional policy, there's currently no evidence that a crime was committed. The two people of interest were not cooperative, nor were the elements of any possible crimes met. Capitol Police continued. So they refused to talk, uh, the individuals who did it, and so there's no crime. So what that says to me is, it's, it's open season, man. Go and breed in the Capitol building, in the Senate building. And what they, 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 won't, they can't charge you with anything. You have a wild Roman sex orgy in the middle of the, of the, of the United States Senate. And they won't do anything for you, or to you, rather. So just to share that one, no charges for sex in the Senate. But a Navy veteran by the name of Michael Cassidy is being charged with a hate crime for cutting off the head of a Satan statue in Iowa, in their Capitol building. In the Iowa Capitol... There is a statue, and I don't know the details about why it's there and what the story is, but it's a statue of Satan, and he, of course, being a devout Christian, not really thinking too much of Satan, smashed the head of the statue at the Satanic Temple. Temple, Let's see. It was erected in the Capitol building by the Satanic Temple of Iowa as a religious display, and therefore it was allowed to be there during the holidays under state rules, just like, you know, uh, you might see a, a nativity scene or something. So he destroyed the head of the statue of Satan, and he is being prosecuted and charged with a hate crime. So just to kind of throw there are two separate things in two separate places, but just to kind of throw it out there. It's just like, you know, I told you before, the rioters in Seattle getting paid $10 million for burning and looting and killing and assaulting and destroying the city of Seattle during the uh, summer of uh, 2020 George Floyd riots. But six peaceful Christians singing hymns outside of a uh, an abortion factory 
um, are have all been convicted on federal charges using the FACE Act, and they are facing 11 years in prison. Violent rioters get paid. Peaceful Christian singers and prayer warriors get prison. You see how important it is to make sure that we have the right prosecutors in place? All right. Todd is in uh, Ward 1 in Cleveland. Hey, Todd, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yo, Bob. Yeah, O'Malley's, I've read some of O'Malley's cases. O'Malley's a good prosecutor. I hope that what you were conveying that you also hope that Bibb and Brown, Chantel Brown, mm-hmm. aren't backing him to secure their taxpayer-funded employment and nothing more. I hope that's not what's going on. They definitely have enough information to know the need for a prosecutor like O'Malley. Have you heard or read anything that gives details of to what degree they studied this man's cases? For them, no. No, I have no idea how much they studied it. All we have is their public statement of endorsement and why they say they did. They said the right things, I think, anyway, uh, you know, about the need for supporting police and supporting law and order and making sure the citizens are are, are safe and so forth. They didn't badmouth on the way I have. Uh, they just said that O'Malley is a good prosecutor, he's doing his job, and he is in their proud Well, did you really so. badmouth him if it's true? Well, I mean, when I, <laughs> I is guess it depends, on, it depends on the definition of bad mouth. I okay, said a ahead. lot of bad things about him, but yes, they were all true. I want everybody to know all the bad things about that guy and about what his, uh, you know, where his money is coming from, about what his mindset is, about the fact that he doesn't believe in prisons. He wants to be a prosecutor whose job is to prosecute and lock bad people up. He doesn't believe that prisons should exist. So, yeah, I guess, you know, if telling the truth is bad mouthing him, I, I bad mouth him. Chantel was at a funeral for Demisha Wright, where, and at that funeral, Demisha Wright was murdered this last year, at the back end of last year. And Chantel was at her funeral, which is at her home church where Chantel grew up. And at that funeral, on the sidewalk, maybe right on the on church property, but close enough to where he could have fell on the property, a guy was shot during the funeral. And um, Chantel came out and talked about it on TV. And I, I, O'Malley, O'Malley's the prosecutor on the case of Dennis Coates, the person who's being charged with uh, Demisha Wright's murder. And I wonder if, to some degree, this prompted her to say, I, I am not in a position to deny this man's good work for political reasons. I wonder if that anything to do with it. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be a good question for her. Not likely that I'll be able to ask her that, but it's a, but, but it's a, it's a good question for her. And it, it is something to consider. I mean, yeah. th- this woman's funeral was at your home church and you were at the funeral yeah. and if somebody else got shot at, after you're at, and you're at a funeral, somebody just got murdered in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. That's because what I like about O'Malley is this, I'm going to say this to exit. Okay. O'Malley recognizes, and he, I've heard him talk about this several times before, the comfort of the shootings that happened in Cleveland. So many broad daylight shootings, middle of the day, you know, and then killings that this you have to get more aggressive with these folks now. Well, you need two things. You need, you need more aggressive from the prosecutor, but you need that you need more police. The reason they're so comfortable is they feel like they're never even going to be touched. There are 350 officers under budget in the, in the city of Cleveland. It's just stupid how few, how little, you know, a few cops there are and little coverage of a city that they can give. That's why there's so many broad daylight shootings. Since you brought that up, let me say this. 
yes, Cleveland does need more police because the civic engagement is so bad. Mm-hmm. But the year in total for the city of Arlington, Texas, which only has 30,000 more people than Cleveland for murders, was 15. Do you really need more police? If you're going... Yes, you do if the civic engagement is going to be so poor. And O'Malley talks about that. He does. 15, 15 mm-hmm. homicides. The 51st um, most populous city in the country had 15 homicides last year. Cleveland had 165. All right, man. All right, Talk thanks for the call, Todd. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you. Todd, Deb is in uh, Strongsville next. Hi, Deb. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Hi, Deb. Um, uh, first, I want to thank you very much for all you do. You bring so much information and encouragement, and we need the hope that you put out there. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.